This week's episode of the Berman Hour podcast is sponsored proudly by New Wave and their Flow State Coffee. This is coffee that is blended with raw cacao and L-theanine, which is an amino acid that naturally reduces your stress and anxiety. As I record this, I am watching the election results from the state of Georgia, and I am riddled with stress and anxiety. But I also need energy to stay up to see the results, if the full results are tonight, if you know what I mean. So I've got myself a cup of Joe, and that Joe is, well, it could be a Joe Biden Joe. Anyway, that fucking cup of coffee I'm drinking is New Wave's Flow State Coffee. It is excellent. It gives you what you need and doesn't give you what you don't need. Say goodbye to jitters. Say goodbye to the shakes from too much caffeine. And say hello to optimum brain performance, that this L-theanine will put your brain into optimum performance mode. So you can stay focused, you can stay concentrated on the tasks at hand. It's perfect for creative types. It's also perfect as a gift for someone that you have to buy a gift for who is notoriously a fucking asshole and the worst person to buy a gift for because they're an asshole. Just get them this coffee, they'll love it, and they'll stop being an asshole to you. Let me help you save 10% off your first order by going to newwave.co slash Berman, N-O-O-W-A-V-E, dot co slash b-e-r-m-a-n let's get it hello and welcome to this week's episode of the berman hour podcast i am your host jeff berman thank you so much for tuning in my guests plural this week are randy bright and peter marullo they are a couple. They are co-podcast hosts on the Long Distance Conversation podcast, and they live in separate countries. And I thought it was interesting to talk to them about their trials and tribulations of everything they've gone through trying to get back to seeing each other in real life during this pandemic. And it was great to talk with them. Full disclosure, Peter Marullo is one of my best friends, and he's also my manager. So, as opposed to paying him 10% of what Divided Evan made last year, which was jack shit, I decided to put him on the podcast and highlight, well, you'll hear it in the interview, but the due diligence, the incredible due diligence that both of them did in order to reunite in this crazy fucking time. So, I'm going to keep it short and sweet. We're going to get into it right now with Randy Bright, who lives in London, Ontario, and Peter Marullo, who lives in Boston, Massachusetts. This is coming to us from them being together. They made it happen in London and me here in Lancaster. I hope you enjoyed this podcast, and I encourage you to check out their podcast as well. Again, Long Distance Conversations with Randy Bright and Peter Marullo. All right, let's get at it. been here a month and you have not cooked for me once i'm taking a break from cooking damn oh fire pete what is wrong with you you're a good cook you're a great cook great i i I host taco night at my house and you never cook they're eating me at a house and home in beverly let me tell you and you literally have been here one month and you have not cooked once it's true wow you're just a guest. 
Yeah. You're not a boyfriend. You're not actually earning your keep. You're just a guest. You know what the French say about guests, don't you? Les incompetents. <laughs> no, they say guests are like fish. They're okay, but after a few days, they start to stank. <laughs> well, I, I shower regularly, so. Well, yeah. Oh, well, that's good. Thanks. All right. So, Randy and Peter, yeah. you guys are together in London, Ontario. I'm in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. It is Monday, January 4th. Let's establish a little bit of a timeline because I want to talk about the podcast that you have, not the Berman Hour podcast. That'd be a little too meta if we just talked about this <laughs> podcast the whole time. But I want to talk about uh, your podcast, Long Distance Relationship, and I want to talk about your actual long distance relationship in the structure of this pandemic and the challenges that you faced trying to get Peter across the border. Before we get into any of that, I do want to uh, clarify for any of the, the the legal people out there that this is all by the book. It's not like someone drove Peter up to a small town in Maine and then he you know snuck in through the back door of a restaurant or something. Considered. <laughs> <laughs> it was considered, but Pete got there by airplane. We'll get into all of that. But before Pete came to visit this time, when was the last time that you guys saw each other? It was uh, February. I The last day I was here. February was, 22nd. Yeah, February 22nd of 2020. And I had plans to come back uh, in mid-March for a week. March 13th. The day I remember that very yeah. well, actually. Yeah. Because John and I were telling Pete that he, sh- he shouldn't go because we, I, I remember John specifically said, Pete, it looks like it's going to get bad. You might just want to stay home for a couple of weeks. Turns out a couple of weeks turned into fucking, you know, almost a year at this point. Yeah. But when that happened, when you guys canceled that trip in mid-March, did you think that you'd be able to get back, Peter, I guess, did you think that you'd be able to get back to Canada to see Randy and Devin? Yeah, uh, you know, at I some remember, point in the summer, or like, what what was your what was your rationale at that point? Well, I mean, like that day, I remember going to work that the morning of March twelfth, and I was supposed to be flying the following morning. And my boss and friend was just like, "Yo, dude, like, I I think you should really rethink this trip." And I was just thinking to myself, like, "What is he talking about?" But he is somebody who like takes everything serious in the right sense where if something is worth a worry, then it's worth a worry. And throughout that day, it sort of just ramped up keeping the eye on like the news, you know, the news sites and everything and going back and forth with you and my brother, John. So I mean, I canceled school up here too. Like that was the day. So we knew it was getting serious. Yeah. And it was like, probably, I think my flight was taking off at 6am and I think I finally, made the official call around 3 a.m. and, like, canceled my flights. Did the flight end up still going through without you, or was anything canceled on that end? Had they stopped that yet? No, I think those flights actually went through. It Um, wasn't until they they closed the borders. Um, It was the 15th, I think, they closed the borders, because you would have been here a few days at that point when the borders closed. Yeah. Right. Ultimately, I'm glad I didn't come, because just looking at the pictures of the airports on, like, the 15th and 16th were just, like, absolute chaos yeah i can't remember because of the stress that this has taken on my brain but when you and i were having these conversations Pete, and then you were having them you know separate conversations with randy was there concern that you would get on an airplane and contract the virus because we weren't so sure about how it spread 
or in the airport or in the Uber on the way to the airport? Or were you concerned that if you got to London that you would then get stuck? Not that that would be a bad place to be stuck, mind you, with, with your lovely girlfriend. But what was like, kind of, what was kind of going through your mind as you were debating whether to go or not? Well, you know, there wasn't really a fear of contracting it, like traveling, like, you know, I mean, I think all those anxieties and fears came probably within the coming weeks, mm-hmm. but I think it was two days before I was hanging out with my buddy, Charlie, and he got a notification that somebody at his work was at the conference in Boston, which was a super spreader. I think the, yeah. the, the conference took place, I believe, the end of February. And from that conference, I'm, I don't remember the exact statistic, but it keeps popping up. And it's like an insane amount of cases were, you know, the, the root of those cases are that conference. It was like a biotech conference in Boston. And I remember sure. saying, oh, shit, like one of my coworkers got it and we're getting the email about it. And I remember the day at work where I'm debating the trip back and forth. You know, I think CNN started to mention that conference and mention that, the, you know, the cases went from, oh, my God, 15 people got it to 40 people have it to 75 to like 115 or something like that. Yeah. So I kind of knew it was like spiraling. And uh, I know John was pretty like adamant and like, you know, very intense about it um, that, you know, like, you know, things are, you know, borders could close. And like, yeah, I mean, and, and he was right, you know, a day later. They announced the borders closing. What were the two of you thinking in your heart at that point? I was was thinking that, okay, like, this is going to take probably a month to six weeks, and then I'll be able to go back. Right. It seemed like something that was like, okay, like, it seems like the world's going on a lockdown, and basically if if people don't leave their house for three weeks and wear masks and do the right thing, like, this will pretty much be in the clear. And nobody did that. Right. What were you thinking, Randy, when when Pete had to uh, cancel his flight? Oh, I was devastated. Absolutely devastated. And but like, I'm also a mom, so I was in super protective mode, going, "Okay, what am I going to do in a freaking global pandemic?" And dealing with my kid, like I pulled him out of school the next day because I was just like, "Nope, we're both not even showing up." Because I was also in school. So we didn't even go the 13th of March. We were just like, screw it. We don't know what's going on. And then they canceled school and like, they just kept canceling it for both him and I. And figuring when Peter would come, I was like, I just, I had hope every month that there would be exemptions made for non-married couples. And every month that they didn't announce that was just like heartbreaking, absolutely heartbreaking to be kept from the person you've been dating for, for so long. And you're like, all you want to do, especially like in a global pandemic, when all you want is just like comfort and you can't have that because the person you want a freaking hug from isn't allowed to see you being kept from you and it's horrible and it wasn't like we're the only ones I have like adult children weren't even allowed to to cross the borders you literally could only cross the border if you were married or if it was a dependent underage child Canadians 
could fly to the States with no problem. It was just American, like nobody's allowed into Canada. Really? Yeah. Yeah. You didn't know that? Yeah. I could have, I, during that entire time, I could have gone to the States, but I couldn't because I have a child and I wasn't going to bring him on a plane. Well, that's what I wanted to ask was, and if this is too personal or too inside baseball, then, you know, we can cut it out. But what do you think Devin's understanding of what was happening in, in March and April as his school was shutting down and reopening and, sh- and shutting down again? Like, do you think that he has like a clear understanding of what's happening? Like, what do you think his perspective is as a, you know, as, as a, as a kid, as a boy? I was very open and honest about it. And okay. he has um, a few YouTube channels that he watches about science stuff. Oh, cool. And they had one um, on a uh, video on coronavirus. So it taught him about that. But I was very, very, very open and honest about it because I didn't want him to – like I didn't want to sugarcoat it. I don't sugarcoat anything with him anyway. So I was like, why start now? He's always been good about using the sanitizer and he now will not touch anything on the shelves when we go out. And he always wears his mask. Like he, he loves his mask. He knows, but, um, he understood. But then when the borders kept being closed and the cases in the States were out of control, he just kept going, I hate Trump. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and he was like, the stupid government and Trump is responsible for COVID not doing good. And he said, state. if I could, I would go to the United States and kill the government. Yeah, he definitely said that at one point. <laughs> oh, wow. All right. Well, hopefully no one from uh, Customs and Immigration is listening to this podcast. Because, yeah. He, like, you know, he was just mad because he really wanted to see Peter. And he, he saw how sad I was on some days when I, like couldn't see peter especially like on like important days like our one year my birthday devin's birthday like there were so many things me graduating school it was just like there there were so many things that we like missed out on and like those days were super sad and he like but he devin really understands what what is going on and still he understands like now we had to cancel Christmas because it's really bad up here and we're under lockdown again he like gets it he was like bummed by it but we I just I don't believe in sugarcoating anything so I've been super 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 honest with him about it at what point did the two of you decide to turn your plight and your separation into a podcast and video cast idea. It's kind of a mixture of two things. So a perfect storm. I would say the first being the early incarnation of the Berman hour, your podcast, when you were doing the Instagram version of the podcast, you brought me on and then you, a couple weeks later you brought Randy on and we had so much fun doing that, especially Randy I think that was your first podcast, right? Yeah. Then the second was the Desmond Harrington Live. (laughs) Yeah, those were fun. You explain that. So Desmond Harrington um, played Joey. The actor. Yeah. Yeah. He played Joey Quinn on Dexter. 
So he, to kill time, because he lives in New York, so they were, like, under strict quarantines shit in the spring when it was insane there. So he was, like, going live in the evenings on Instagram because he was bored. And he would just, like, randomly invite fans on to, like, talk to him. And one night he invited me on, and I was like, shut the fuck up. Like, I love Dexter. And he was, like, one of the best characters on the show. So... We ended up doing that, like, what, it was, like, five nights in a row. I just went on live with him, and, like, for an hour, I remember one night, he messaged me, and he's like, let's do it again, and we went back on for, like, another hour, and it was, like, two hours one night of just shooting the shit. Like, we didn't even, like, we've never met, never spoke before, and then people thought we were, like, old friends, and... and or that you were starting to date. Yeah, and, like, Peter's always in the chat. I was like, Peter, get in here. Like, he's, he's, uh, like... Shit. My- yeah. Was Pete jealous? Was Pete jealous? Turning no, up with some no, Pete blushing? Desmond knew about Peter too. Like Desmond would ask about Peter. He would always shout out Peter on the lives. And it was just really, really, really cool. Like I still message him here and there. Like I remember one dude made a comment at you because <coughs> of course you're on, your face is on. Yeah. He was like, oh, I'm, I might slide into those DMs that are ever in this kind of New York bravado. He was like, yo, she's got a boyfriend. He's in the chat, you douche. <laughs> <laughs> it was so good. That's then, great. That's great. I was doing it under my Suicide Girl account, so it was the Clea and Dez show. Okay. And it was just so much fun. You had a little bit of the taste of the fame, of the lights, <laughs> if you will, with the Berman Hour. You and Desmond doing the Instagram Live as well. How did it graduate from those experiences to you guys deciding, well, let's do this together and kind of play off of our relationship together? Or was that not what you intended to do? Yeah, I don't think that was the the first intention of doing it. But when we were coming up with names, I, I threw out the long distance conversations and it just kind of stuck. That was like the one that clicked and we were like, yeah, you knew that had to be it. It, it kind of brands itself. You know? And like, I've always wanted to do a podcast, but I don't want to do it alone. And I never knew what I wanted to do with it. Like I've had many talks with friends before about starting one and nothing ever came of it. And Peter likes to, like, talk and ask great questions, and he's a good listener. So we just figured it'd be smart to do it together. Yeah, like he's the Howard and you're the Robin. Yes. But in the words of uh, Joe in the office, she goes, you know, that Robin really keeps him on his toes. (laughs) I don't watch the office. I don't get it. Yeah. You you lose humanity points for that. Yeah, yeah, you definitely – you came down a few notches there. All right. So – I want to ask, well, Randy, I want your perspective on this afterwards. But Pete, I'd like to ask your process of getting cleared to go from the U.S. into Canada. I'm interested in your flight path. I'm interested in the timing of everything. I'm interested in any uh, false starts where you purchased a ticket because you thought you'd be able to go, but you, you couldn't. How did that come about? Because... My math is correct. You, you saw each other in, now in February. You tried to see each other in March. Then things were closed. And then you didn't actually get back to, to seeing each other until the beginning of last month in December. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. Well, you know, throughout, the, I guess, like the early stages of the pandemic, it was just keeping a close eye on like the news and updates and the official government sites as to, well, will they be re- reopening the border as that kind of went on or as time went on, I came to the like the realization 
that like the borders aren't going to be open for a long, long time. Yeah. Um, it just doesn't make sense. Even, you know, with vaccines being distributed, like, you know, I mean, here we are almost a year later and they're closed still. So I started to, you know, while looking through these sites and new sites, I came across some Facebook pages that were, um, for, you know, Canadian slash American couples in the same situation and people trying to, you know, get up to see parents that were sick and husbands and wives that were, you know, disconnected and other people like us that are in romantic relationships. So, you know, you start to get tidbits in those groups and at least get like, you know, you feel like you're sort of commiserating together, I guess is the best way to put it. Yeah. And, you know, there started to be talks of exemptions. So, you know, roll around to early October, they announce the... October uh, 2nd, they announced. And what was the... Okay. Exactly. Uh, Extended... Family reunification. Extended family reunification. So they announced that. Okay. And... Did you have to go about proving that in in a manner of sorts? Yeah, and I'll let Randy take over from here because this is where her involvement really kind of takes over. So I'm the Canadian. So the Canadian partner had to get a Canadian notary to notarize a document stating that I have been in a relationship with Peter for at least a year and we had met. So we had like put together um, a a document that had pictures of us together and um, all the different flights that he's been here. So it showed that we had together for at that point, it was a year and a half. And Mm -hmm. I had to get that notarized. And then Peter then had to send it to the government of Canada to apply for an exemption, which Americans have never had to do this before. So it's a whole new process for the Canadian government to deal with this. And do you want to go on? Yeah. yeah. Tag me in. So, uh, yeah, I, I do the official, you know, uh, application I apply and you're supposed to wait 14 days to get your exemption letter. Oh uh, yeah, the business day bullshit trick. Oh, that's right. fucking worse. So you know, yeah. the fourteen days rolls around, and then it's you know probably a week after that, and then it bleeds into a few more days. Randy gets a hold of her MP to kind of find out what's going on, and it turns out after he looked into the matter that I had gotten the exemption on day fourteen. On day fourteen, but it never got emailed to me. Oh, which was a lovely flaw in the yes the um the IRCC system. A glitch in the system is what we're calling it. But it, it wasn't just us that it happened to. Through our um, Facebook group, we found this was happening to many couples that applied oh, on the tenth of October it, specifically. Yeah, pretty much or not not just that. It was people who got approved on the thirtieth, which was us. We got approved. And people who seemed to have gotten approved then just didn't get their email their um the email sent to them. And after MPs helping, we found out that it was that the um where you write your email address and the sender 
it was, it was just the person's name. So it wasn't sending to anybody. It was just being sent to nothing. A dead email, yeah. a, not a non-existing yeah. email. Okay. It was just a name. There was no email address. And we basically, I, I begged my MP to tell them to manually put it in there because some people had luck with their MPs doing that because we had a UCI number. So he could possibly cross a land border, but that's depending if the border agent was being nice that day. Yeah, yeah of course. Want to pitch that to me, and I was just like, absolutely not. Am I no, it, it would have. It'd be different if you lived on a border in a border city, right. and you attempted, and you weren't like driving hours. It would be no big deal if you attempted to cross. But if you you live in Boston, that's so far to drive. It's not worth it driving all that to get turned away. But I'll, yeah, if you live in Buffalo, that's fine. But exactly, not exactly. if you live. And a lot of people that were doing it lived in Detroit and were crossing the Detroit-Windsor um, sure. border. So yeah. we – but in all that time too, on the October 22nd, a lot of our uh, people we know and people in that group got emails saying send more information. And we were just like, shit, they need the Canadian's passport now. And we didn't it put that in with our – we didn't submit that with the original – all the information that we sent because they didn't ask for it. So Peter, Peter just was just like covering all bases. They didn't email us for it, but Peter emailed them my Canadian passport information. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And we just, it was just like a follow-up email to our previous application. I think it was almost 14 business days to that. Yeah. Is when you got the other email. You or you finally got the authorization email. Yeah, and in between there I called up the uh, <laughs> whatever the I forget what the IRCC. Yeah, the IRCC. Probably three or four different times and spent a long time on the phone kind of politely arguing with the you know, the agents that I was speaking with. And I think it's kind of the perfect storm of the MP and me calling the IRCC that led to me eventually getting that. Uh, that exemption email, which I got the night before uh, Thanksgiving. Yes. So Pete, when you say that you were calling and then Randy, you were talking to your MP, did you get a sense that they were fielding a lot of these calls? Did you feel like you were low on the totem pole because you hadn't been together for no? I, I mean, you I know, a longer the, period of time. I got the idea that like me and Randy and I guess other couples and people in the situation were way more in tune with what was actually happening then like the, the, you know, official government uh, yeah. employees or the MPs. It, a lot of the phone call was like explaining myself several times and then sort of giving you the scripted, well, like it'll be 14 business days. Yeah. And me saying, well, no, I got my exemption. It was sent out to my email, but there was a glitch in your system and the glitch sent it to nobody. So then they resent it to me. But again, because they just resent it, it resent to nobody. So it was it was kind of being pretty firm and aggressive in like my explanations and like sort of pleading of the situation. But my MP didn't know anything. Like he he knew that some people weren't getting their emails. Or not he, that they weren't getting their emails in the 14 days, business days. So I had to explain to him that in the, the group that we're in, Faces of Advocacy, he, he actually works with some people in that group. So he had heard of the group 
And I explained to him that some people in that group were finding out that they had been authorized but didn't receive the email. So he was just like, hmm, okay, are you sure? And he seemed a little, like, skeptical. Sure. And then that, we had that call on a Friday, and then Monday morning he called me, and that's when he was just like, well, you were right, Peter, was – Uh, He was approved and you didn't get the email. He's like, I've asked them to resend it. And then when I called them back and said, like, he gave me his number to, like, keep in touch with him. So I called him again and said, well, they said they resent it, but it didn't send. And there's this possible glitch in the system. And then at that point, he basically said, well, if it's a computer error, there's nothing I can do anymore. And I was like, but there is, like, you can tell them to do it manually. And he just, he basically said that if it's a computer error, he, he can't help much anymore. But I know what? he was helping a lot of others at that point. Yeah. And I also know from talking to the IRCC agents, they were referencing notes that were put in by her MP yeah. with my manual email address and all that. So I, I know he definitely like did his part and you know as as much as finally getting me here i guess yeah but i mean i from other mps like that were advocating for us they were doing a lot more it seemed than he at least he was very nice but i felt at some at one point he just didn't want or didn't seem too engaged in with it but i know he also had a lot going on and he was helping a lot of people that weren't just people in my area of London. He helped, he was like helping my friend in Toronto and stuff like that too. So he was taking on a lot more when people found out that he was actually helping people in our situation. Cause some MPs refused to help. It's frustrating that he would say, if it's a computer glitch, I can't help you because there's nothing I can do because that's mm-hmm. just the stupidest fucking shit. But it, on the other hand, it sounds like he was a pretty helpful person and yeah, it could have been a lot worse. The government explanation or, you know, response was, yeah. um, you know, we sent out the email. Like, if you didn't get it, the only way you can get here is with the email, but we have no way to resend you the email. Yeah, like, how do you not know how to resend an email? Like, it was so, but that's what I'm saying. It was such a new process. It was so rushed and there were glitches and they didn't have nobody. It seemed like everybody you talked to that nobody was on the same page. Yeah. It was, it was insane. It was frustrating. But we got the email. All right. That's great. And then when were you able to make the trip, Peter? You know, it felt like so long between me getting the exemption and coming here, but it was only about a week and a half. It was a week and a half, yeah. Yeah, so probably two days after I got the exemption, I booked my my flight there on Air Canada. So I I did Logan to Toronto, um, connection in Toronto, and then Toronto to London. And then Uber. And where did you actually go through customs in Toronto before yeah, you got on that Toronto, next airplane? That was a, quite a bit of a shit show. Um, yeah. You know, I, I probably was like a five-step thing of like scanning the passport and the entry form, meeting with an agent, going to a second agent. And I believe I met with a third agent. It's a little bit of a blur right now, but I had a folder like very well prepared with um, – a quarantine plan. Quarantine plan and uh, proof of relationship and tra- travel travel insurance. Um, when I got to the gate in Boston, I had to show them the Arrive Can app and that I had filled it out. And I had to show them the exemption letter to get my boarding pass. 
Oh, okay. So that was sort of the first step at Logan and then the full customs thing in Toronto, which is nerve wracking because, yeah, I mean, you don't know if you're going to get in at that point, even though you've been cleared to go in. Um, I mean, if you get a border agent that doesn't like you, they can or is having you. a shit day, they can just say, sorry, pal. It even says that in our exemption, too. It's the last say is the Canadian border agent. Right, right. My first flight got canceled because of a snowstorm in Boston, so I went the next day, which led to an absolutely full flight on the way to Toronto, which oh. has been, I, I feel like I've been fairly careful and responsible yeah, throughout the have. situation <laughs> that, like, getting on a full flight and just, like, wearing a mask is, is pretty... Uh, a pretty stressful kind of freaky thing, but I knew I just, I, I had to kind of keep trucking through each step to get to my final destination. Yeah. I feel like neither of those flights are very long though, right? Like an hour and a half and an hour yeah, respectively. Toronto, Boston flights, two hours. And then the other flight is like 40 minutes. Yeah. That's quite a fucking story. Holy shit. And how much longer are you in London? I'm here for two more weeks. I fly home in two weeks. And that, that okay. reality setting in, you know, the kind of sadness and, I guess, scariness of it. Because we have no idea when we'll see each other. Yeah, and, you know, there's yeah. like variant strains, and we think the um, sort of restrictions around the exemptions are tightening up. Well, they are. <laughs> and we're, we're reading stories of people getting turned away at, you know, at the customs when they get to Canada. And Canada's now requiring starting... Um, in two days or three days this week, anyway, um, to get into Canada, you have to provide a negative COVID test that you, that has been taken in the last in three days prior to flying. And if you cannot provide that, um, you will be detained into a COVID government facility for either until you have a negative test or um, you have to stay there for 14 days. Oh my goodness. So uh, that was going to be my next question was because you got this first round of clearance and obviously you're not a delinquent when you're there, which, you know, is certainly a problem for touring bands as Peter and I know. Right. It's like when you, you get to Canada and then someone's an asshole in Canada. Well, if you're an asshole in Toronto versus an asshole in Dallas, it's quite a big difference because they're not going to let you fucking back in. So that doesn't have any bearing positively or negatively on if you can come back and just kind of do this in in the future. Do you need to go through all of these hoops again? Uh, well, the exemption is good for six months, but in terms of me traveling and going through like customs in Toronto or Ottawa or wherever I fly into that portion would be the the same. We'd that, have to provide all the documents again. Yeah. Negative COVID test now. Yeah. Right. Right. And, and oh, the yeah. negative COVID test doesn't cancel out your 14 day quarantine. So even if you provide a negative COVID test, when coming into Canada, you still have to quarantine for the 14 days. Well, thank you very much for sharing this. I, I find this fascinating and horrifying at the same time, but <laughs> I give you guys a lot of credit for seeing it through in such a professional manner, you know, did, do you have to prove that you were doing this podcast? Was that part of what you had in your folder? No, we never even talked about it. Oh, that would have been a selling, but we'll be like, well, we got to do a couple podcast episodes together. Yeah. It's called, you know, long distance conversations, <laughs> but we got to have a few of those conversations in person, you know, well, wink, wink. We knew that if they even like, 
tried to Google us or whatever, if they wanted to see how legit we were, it's like, we have a whole freaking podcast dedicated to our relationship. So there was yeah, no true denying that. Like, well, cause we're so open and like honest on or like on all social media that if they wanted to know about us, they could have found all the information in that, in our first episode and the getting yeah. to know the host, they could have found all the information about yeah, and maybe they did. Maybe they did. That's a great segue. How can people find out about the Long Distance Conversations podcast? We are on Facebook on at Long Distance Conversations. Oh, I haven't done this in so long. <laughs> uh, it's Long Distance Conversations podcast on Facebook, Long Distance Conversations on Instagram, and LD. LDC podcast. I don't even know. LD conversations on Twitter. I, I honestly don't know. Hold on. What, you're going to edit this, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, now, no. If you, once you say you're going to edit this, right. That means I keep it in, I keep it in. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck it. The Instagram is all that matters anymore. Anybody that's listening to this knows that the Instagram is all that matters. I have a link tree on Instagram. So if you go on Instagram, we are at long distance conversations on Instagram. There you go. That's all that matters. It's just Spotify and Instagram. It's a it's a two animal game anymore. That's all yeah. that matters. Well, very Pretty true. Much. Very true. That's all that matters. Well, thank you very much for sharing. I I found this fascinating, and um, you know, I, I appreciate the peek into your lives, even though I know both of you. <laughs> I think that there's a lot of people that are going through what you're going through, and maybe they had all their ducks in a row and just had bad luck, or maybe they needed some pointers or anything and and maybe hopefully some people will reach out to you for some advice about this stuff because uh it sounds like they didn't make it easy on either of you in this process no a (laughs) (laughs) a oh man how many times have you heard that since you've been here a lot yeah all right well thank you both very much for coming on the pod i appreciate it thank you for having us thanks for having us again Okay, here's the thing. I edited out about 10 minutes of bickering at the beginning of this episode. And I'm keeping it because I think it's really cute to hear Randy and Peter bicker about things like Mexican food and all that shit. But I took it out of the podcast. But they're a lovely couple. I'm so happy that they were able to get this figured out and cut through all of the bureaucratic red tape in order to be able to see each other. My heart goes out to anybody that's in a situation like theirs where their loved one is in another country. And because of these travel restrictions and because of this pandemic, they're not able to see them. So my heart goes out to you. Also, big heart goes out to our sponsors, New Wave. Without them, well, we'd still be here because I'm not going to let anything fucking stop me. But It'd be a lot harder without them. So please check out newwave.co slash Berman. Order yourself some coffee. Get 10% off your order. It saves you money. I get a little bit of a kickback for that. And they are a new company. And they deserve your, uh, a chance to, to win you over with their product. It's a great company, great people. So N-O-O-W-A-V dot C-O slash B-E-R-M-A-N for New Wave and their Flow State Coffee, which is great for your brain. And it's fucking delicious. All right. Until next week, let's go.